Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Because at the end of the day, no matter where you are in the world, everybody needs better sleep. We can't escape it. We got to pay our taxes. We got to sleep. Those are the two things that will always be set in stone. It's more important to remove something negative than it is to add another thing back in. Because one, that's simplicity. And two, it's also the negative things usually do more detriment to us than the, the positive things we add back in. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest today, Riley Jarvis. He's the founder and CEO of The Sleep Consultant, an organization that helps CEOs, entrepreneurs, and high performers transform their sleep to significantly boost their productivity and energy levels. Riley started through his own health journey many years ago and discovered that sleep was the missing link that brought everything together. After hacking his own biology by learning from top doctors in the field and furthering his own education on the subject, he has developed a state-of-the-art approach that aims to get to the root of any health issue rather than putting a band-aid on symptoms. And he's just getting started. With a background in the finance industry, he's seen firsthand what the consequences of sleep deprivation can do to the performance and well-being of any individual. Being forced to work unnecessary overtime hours due to poor productivity, negatively impacting relationships, weight gain, burnout, anxiety, and the list goes on. Everyone has a unique story and underlying factors that led them to the situation they might find themselves currently in now. Whatever the case, it's not their fault. They just did not have the know-how or a coach to steer them in the right direction and show them what actually works. That's where Riley is here to help. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, the InnovaBuzz podcast, then go to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel where you can access a free gift that my team and I made for you. A short audio book that walks you through every single step of the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. In our conversation today, Riley talked to me about the importance of sleep to improve productivity and performance. 
We talked about how everything in our body is interconnected and forms a finely tuned machine. And we talked specifically about what we can do to improve our sleep quality. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Riley Jarvis. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from Anovabiz and I'm really excited to bring on to the Anovabiz podcast today as my guest from Ottawa, Ontario in Canada, Riley Jarvis, who's the founder and CEO of The Sleep Consultant an organization that helps CEOs, entrepreneurs, and high performance transform their sleep to significantly boost both their productivity and energy levels. And I'm sure there's a lot more behind that. So welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Riley. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you so much, Jürgen. Really appreciate it. I'm so happy to be on. Now, I recently joined you on your Sleep for Sight Hustlers podcast to have a conversation, and I'm really looking forward to continue our conversation today with a focus, of course, on sleep and its impact on performance. Absolutely. Likewise. Now, before we start talking about all things sleep and performance, tell me a little bit about the impact you're making in the world today. Oh, it's gone international at this point. Yeah, it started all locally in the small town of Ottawa, a little bit in Canada, and now it's just spread to this massive machine that's uh, talking with people in Europe, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Japan, South America, some Africa, and really just helping people with their sleep really to impact their performance. Because at the end of the day, no matter where you are in the world, everybody needs better sleep. We can't escape it. We got to pay our taxes. We got to sleep. Those are the two things that'll always be set in stone. So uh, yeah, it's really just taking the world by storm and uh, being able to see these transformations in people who are in their 20s, all the way up until their 60s, 70s, and even 80s. Um, depending on what they want in life, what their goals are, it's just been so phenomenal to see, and it's been really impactful at the same time. Hmm. Do you see a change in people's attitude towards sleep? I mean, I remember when I was a young fellow and thought I was invincible, and sleep was kind of <laughs> one of those things where you thought, well, you know, that's just dead time, so I'll just stay up late and see if I can yeah. get up early and burn the candles at both ends was the expression we often use yeah, that's right. and without with and in some ways totally counterintuitive right because um, we just worked harder and longer and yet uh, the effectiveness of that time spent working or doing whatever it is I mean often it was play as well yeah was just not as good so do you see a change in attitudes of, of people these days that sleep is important to get first of all the right amount of sleep and secondly a good quality of sleep yeah that's a really good question and it's it, it's it's kind of a gray area question so there, the answer is yes but also no at the same time and it really depends on who you talk to because the grand delusion of this generation is like you have to hustle more and work harder in order to get ahead because somehow when we're awake and the longer we can stay awake the more that we can get stuff done and sleep is just this thing we put on the back burner where we close our eyes we open our eyes and we wish we didn't have to do it but we have to do it anyway and then we just kind of get on with with our day and the truth is it's it should be completely the opposite if we're able to prioritize our sleep we can actually function better during the day have better performance because we have better mental acuity our memory is better emotional intelligence is better and all these other things that it, it impacts our day and all these minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, and we just get way more done. And we're able to work maybe an eight hour work day, maybe five or six hours, because that deep work, that's what really matters the most. Mm. 
his deep work is so much more on point. But in general, I'm seeing more of a change in people with the people that I'm working with. I'm, I'm working as hard as I can. There's not too many of us sleep consultants out there. But for those that are with a lot of our clients, when people get sort of a taste of what that um, ability to sleep better feels like, it becomes a new addiction and they want to get more and more and more of it. And then when they look back at their old self, they realize, I wish I had slept, you know, prioritize sleep more and more. Hmm. So how, how did you get into this sleep consulting, as you put it, and, and discover that there was a need there and an opportunity for you and certainly a blue ocean? Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely is a blue ocean, especially now. But my sort of origin story going back is when I went to school, I was taking finance, kind of followed my parents' footsteps. That's what they were in. And I went into private equity. Then I went into investment banking for some time. And I was in my early 20s when, you know, somebody that age should be very healthy and be able to put in long hours. I mean, the typical is 12 to 18 hour workdays. As I was doing that, though, I noticed my body becoming more and more burnt out and I wasn't able to make deadlines as much. Long story short, I was forced to quit my job and I became bedridden just because my health was so bad. I couldn't focus anymore. I was losing weight, constant stomach pain. So I didn't know exactly what was going on. I went to go see multiple doctors, multiple specialists until I went to the um, gastroenterologist, which specialized in the stomach. And they diagnosed me with Crohn's disease, which is an autoimmune mm. condition. It can cause a lot of things um, down the road. It's not good, but, uh, you know, it impacts energy and all these things. Add that on top of stress, constant coffees throughout the day. Um, it just was not a good situation. So doctors didn't really give me any solutions with the pills that I was to take. So I really had to take health into my own hands. And it was really here where I was spending hours upon hours for almost seven years just researching this stuff. Like, how does our biology work on like a root cause level? And it's kind of what fast forward till today, uh, five years later, over the last five years, my Crohn's has been 100% complete remission. Doctors don't know why. And I'm functioning better than I ever have before. I've gained the weight back and just, you know, productivity is through the roof and everything else. Now that translates to other people I'm helping now. They don't have to be in a disease state, but I specialize more so in the productivity and the focus and the performance side of things. Hmm. Yeah, that that's pretty amazing, the the impact that... So you, you're off medication, you're yeah. not on special diets or anything. It's all down to getting your sleep pattern right. Yeah, getting the sleep down. And you know, it was a myriad of things, but when I really tried to tackle my sleep, that's when I when I felt so much better. And I was able to track my sleep and just objectively how I felt as well. And when I was getting my sleep down, as my sleep got better, the Crohn started to improve and all the lab tests and the work was starting to show that. Um, but then when I kept honing that thing, I just got better and better. As a result, I have more energy. I got into other things too, diet, exercise, nutrition, all these other things that go into better sleep and better sleep goes into the other things as well. It's all of our system and our body works together. Um, but that was really the pivotal point for me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, there's so much to unpack in that. I mean, certainly diet, exercise, everything works together. The body yeah. is a fine-tuned machine, as you put it. It, is. Uh, it really is. So in terms of of the sleep, what are, what are some of the common misconceptions that people should be aware of and should be thinking about perhaps changing right now? Just simple things that they can do to improve their sleep and sleep patterns and, and depth of sleep is the other one that I think we'll explore a little bit more too. For sure. So the big one a lot of people do is blue light before bed. And what that is, is when we look at our phones right before we go to sleep, when we watch TV right when we go to sleep, all the lights that we're surrounded by when we go to sleep, 
it emits something called blue light and there's different forms and spectrums of light but blue light is the most stimulating one that actually suppresses our melatonin which is known as our sleep hormone and there was a recent study that came in they did it on infants but the same applies to adults too a one hour blue light exposure prior to bed reduces melatonin by 99 percent, which is absolutely insane they didn't think it was that much before but that really impacts your sleep because that is both your deep sleep and your REM sleep. So the first half of your sleep cycle is where your body restores. And the second half is usually where your mind restores. And we need these deep forms of REM sleep cycles in order for us to feel fully mentally restored the next day. You know, even if we go for coffee, we still need to, to be able to feel that to function throughout our day in the most optimal way if performance is our goal. So that is number one that I would do. Number two I would do is we want to sleep in a cold bedroom environment between about 68 and um, uh, 70 degrees Fahrenheit or about 18, 20 degrees Celsius. We also want to, don't want to eat too close prior to bedtime because it can raise our body temperature. Our body is working to you know, digest that food instead of restoring our body. It can cause us to wake up in the middle of the night with blood sugar um, crashes and things like that. So one thing I would say with that is we don't want to eat any heavy meals about four to five hours prior to bedtime. We don't want any intense physical exercise prior to bedtime about four to five hours, I would say. Uh, but here's a really cool one that a lot of people don't realize because people think it's all about the evening routine. But actually what you do in the morning equally impacts how you'll sleep at night. And the reason is this is because light controls our circadian rhythm. When our body knows the internal clock, when it's time to wake up and when it's time to go to bed and when we feel sleepy. And what we do in the morning is very important because it can time our body when it's time to go to bed because we're just naturally adapted to rise and uh, wake up and fall asleep with the rising and falling of the sun. So when we first wake up, if we can expose our eyes literally within 15 minutes um, to the sun and go outside for a walk. Now, it depends on where you are in the world. I'm in Canada, so it's a little bit difficult, especially in the <laughs> winter months. But if you can, you know, there's something known as a, a lumen light. It's a, a really bright light that you can just find on Amazon or something to expose your eyes to the sun about 15, 30 minutes. Um, but if you can walk outside, always walk outside, um, usually with no glasses on. A lot of people put glasses on when they first go outside. And what this is doing is telling our body to wake up. It's, it's activating all these hormones and these systems inside of our body that it's time to go. Then that'll also signal when it's time to go to bed as well to really reduce that light. So you can sort of see the pattern there. Those are kind of the big ones, I would say. Um, other basic things, um, alcohol is a big one that people drink. They really drink it to settle down, maybe a glass or two or wine before bed. I would, I mean, go for it if you can. I mean, you have to be realistic too. You can't just cut out, it, out everything and make your life mm. not too interesting. But if you are, I mean, just manage it in the best way that you can. Usually about four to five hours prior to bed, your last glass of wine is a really good one um, as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a lot there. I mean, the... the um common thing or well, one, one of the common things for me that i always um and and i've we've gone back into this habit of having the evening meal sort of as the last thing after we finished and part of that is because that's that's where we have time to sit together after work and thinking back to my time in germany the practice there was your big meal of the day was lunch Mm -hmm. it, yeah. it was lunch and, and then the evening meal would be just a, a, a light meal, a snack kind of thing, whereas mm -hmm. these days it's around the other way. So that yeah. that to me ties in with what you said about, you know, having that heavy meal and having mm -hmm. those um, sugar sugar crashes during the night or, or even sometimes I've, I've found if I go out for a meal, particularly in the days when I was traveling a lot, that was where 
you tended not to sleep as much. You'd go yeah. out entertaining customers, have a really heavy meal of an evening, drink alcohol as well, and then <laughs> go to bed. And, and quite often, you know, the digestive system would be working overtime and right. <laughs> you just wouldn't get a really good night's sleep. So, Absolutely. Yeah, so all of those things, turning those, in, inverting those is, is a really good place to start. Absolutely. It's, it's massive and like our, we don't realize it, but our, our body and stomach are working overtime. And if you really like when you dive into the stuff and study it, you can really appreciate what our body is doing. I mean, it's really this magical machine. And if you see it on that level and you give it the right inputs, it's going to give you the right outputs. And I find just mentally, if you see things that way, making those changes can be a lot easier. Yeah. So one of the things I'm curious about also, um, it's not just about the length of sleep, right? I mean, with the common wisdom is eight hours sleep is kind of a, a mean that most people um, is good for most people. And yet I know that some people operate really well on less sleep. Others actually need more. Talk to me a little bit more about the depth of sleep and how, how can we ensure that whatever time we spend sleeping that, that we actually have a really restful deep sleep yeah for sure and it, like you said it all comes down to the quality of sleep and especially if performance and productivity is your goal quality is usually triumphs quantity always and the reason is because so many people focus on the quantity of hours so let me get my eight hours but what they, they neglect is they're waking up two, three times a night, mm. whether it's going to the bathroom, you, the dreams they're having, if it's cortisol or blood sugar spike, whatever that is. But if we can actually minimize those interruptions and we focus on the quality of our sleep, our, our deep sleep cycles will be able to make their full entire cycle. Each one, if we get all of those, then we're able to function in the most optimal way. So to kind of break that down is we have 90 minute sleep cycles and it goes from light sleep to deep sleep, REM sleep, and then it resets and it does it. Again, so because these 90 minute sleep cycles, we usually want to wake up usually at the peak of one of those sleep cycles, not when we're in deep REM sleep, like a lot of people do causing them to feel groggy, but kind of on that, on that tip. So what that would look like is 90 minutes, three hours, four and a half, six hours, and then seven and a half hours. And a lot of people get eight hours. And then keep in mind, this is total hours sleeping, not time in bed. Sometimes mm. people get that mix because when you're able to do that seven and a half hours or the six hours or the four and a half hours, then you're able to feel better too. Now, of course, like seven hours, seven and a half would be a lot better than four hours, uh, four and a half hours, but it just depends on who you are. It's a venture, if it's a venture capitalist, they only have four and a half hours of sleep. Okay, fine, let's maximize that. But you still want to get as much as you can without neglecting the, um, the quantity at the same time. But that's really one good thing to keep in mind. And how we, so how do we actually optimize that? And how do we make it so that deep REM sleep cycle is is as optimized and as deep as it should be, as well as the deep sleep as well. And that all comes down to sort of what we talked about, but it's it, it's many different lifestyle factors. So if you were to ask yourself, what is the current state of, let's say, your exercise regime, or how is your diet? Because if our bodies are inflamed, let's say if we're overweight, and all these other things, we really have we really don't have that much margin for air. So if we were to consume coffee, let's say around noon or 2 p.m., sometimes in the morning for some people, their bodies just aren't, aren't used to it at the evening time. And so they still have caffeine circulating through their system and they can't get to sleep. Um, it suppresses something known as uh, adenosine, which helps us um, become more common and uh, feel that sleepiness at the same time too. But if we're having a, an, a meal close to the evening time, our body can't regulate that blood sugar as well. So it causes us to wake up in the middle of the night or we can't wind down after bed after long days um, of, 
of work. We just can't downshift as much as well as somebody else should. But the good news is, is wherever you're at, is as long as you make relative gains and improvements in those areas, you'll see tremendous improvements in your sleep as well. So I'm sort of saying to people, it's not one magic pill you take and it's going to fix yeah, your yeah. sleep issues. Because that's another thing to your first question is it's kind of a band-aid society. We think, oh, if we just take this one pill, we do this other thing that is going to help everything. But the good news is when you get a taste of what it feels like by making all these 1% optimizations, tips and tricks are good. But if we can focus on getting our body to a healthy place, you'd be amazed to know that it fixes so many things at the same time. It's, you know, Pareto's principle, 80% of the, of the results with 20% of the work. And sleep is really that thing ROI-wise if we focus on that, we can just get substantial results in our waking hours as well. So what I would, like I said, focus on the blood sugar, focus on these other things. But what I do with clients as well is we really want to figure out what is our chronobiology type? Are, are we genetically more of a morning person or are we more of a nighttime person? And you can do different things. One is called the power of wankquiz.com, but ultimately you want to get a genetic test done to see that. But you can also look at things, for example, like how is your gut? Do you have a lot of infections there? How is your body's ability? Like, what are your hormones like? Do you have a lot of cortisol? Um, are you are you burnt out on a hormone level? Just all these things, for example, like a man, a lot of them have testosterone deficiency and that decreases with age. Well, that actually directly impacts sleep as well. So, you know, you know, some of them are estrogen dominant, some men are, you know, overweight. It just goes back to all these other things which impact like our thyroid gland, our adrenal glands, our pituitary gland, our brain. They all communicate with each other. It's all one big highway inside of our body. So if we can get the synchronization right, they're all within the same rhythm, and we can get the total amount right and the bounce right, one's not too much or what or too low. It's all about homeostasis, keeping along that bounce range, then we'll be in a good place. Yeah, it's the body is is quite an amazing machine, isn't it? And it's sort of um, always fascinates me that a lot of people don't treat it that well or abuse parts of it, thinking that it's not going to impact on other parts. And yet, you know, we know, I mean, you pointed out that the digestive system is, is really important to get right. It, uh, the brain actually uh, functions better when our digestive system is in order. And then, then when you think about all the things that are happening totally unconscious, I mean, we don't, we don't think about breathing and yet we breathe right. and that yeah, keeps yeah. us alive, right? We don't think about our heart beating, pumping blood around to all the yeah. various places where it's needed and yet it happens. Right. And yeah. it's, it's just an amazing machine. Um, you talked a little bit about exercise there and, and avoiding sort of really high intensity exercise. I think you said that sort of between four and five hours at the end. That was one of the recommendations as well as avoiding big meals or lots of alcohol or caffeine at that time. Explain to me a little bit why that is because I was always, um, I mean, these days I have my exercise in the morning and I tend to relax in the evening. But when I was younger, I would often um, have high intensity training sessions at the end of the day because that, that was just how it worked when I was playing football for example it, the sure. training sessions will be at the end of the day because everybody was yeah. working i mean we were we were amateurs so yeah. so we, we all had jobs or at the time i was a student yeah. and all the lectures and everything was daytime so the high intensity training sessions would be in the evening yeah. often often under lights in the dark yeah and it's it's really interesting right because as we're when we're younger and our bodies are more healthy 
we can get away with a lot more. And as the years mm. go on, it's, it's kind of like when we drink alcohol, our hangovers are so much worse as we, <laughs> we start to get older. And that's just an example of your body's ability. You know, we just, we need to pay more attention to it as we get older. You know, we're kind of conditioned to the mindset, like we want to be healthy because when we get older, you know, we want our joints to be working okay and everything else. But people aren't thinking on kind of more like, you know, like a practical level, how we're just functioning on the day to day standpoint of things. So yes, when you do get older, um, exercise cl closer to bed is definitely one thing that's going to really impact you because it's going to raise body temperature. It's going to raise a lot of your stimulatory hormones, adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, and all these other things. And so it's all about timing it throughout the day and timing your energy inputs based on usually what your chronotype is. So if we can, you know, plan, for example, like a morning walk, or if we can do it in the afternoon, uh, you know, and then around nighttime, we can start settling down then that's great. Even if you have like 15 minutes, 30 minutes, a lot of the people I work with just do not have the time and they only have the evening to work out. And it's like, okay, great. Well, if you can just do that, then try that. But you know, we'll make these slight modifications. So instead of like a really heavy workout, just try something lighter. Maybe it's yoga. It could be like, like a light jog or something like that. Cause uh, you know, exercise close to bedtime can really reduce a lot of those cortisol and, and other stimulatory hormones as well. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. One of the other things you touched on earlier, and I know this is something where I struggle at times, is if there's stuff going on, particularly in the business, and I imagine that a lot of entrepreneurs will be having this. So there might be worry about meeting deadlines, meeting project deadlines. There might be worry about cash flow. Um, we've just had a pandemic which has forced most businesses to pivot in in some way and and many businesses have had to make fairly major changes so there's been a lot going on a lot of things on people's minds as business owners and i've i've found that at times and sometimes it's it's not negative sometimes it's positive i, I have some really fabulous idea and the mind's going at a thousand miles an hour thinking how can i implement this what do i need to do you know who do i get on board in this and it's really excitement and i go to bed to sleep and and sometimes i have real problems getting to sleep because i i can't turn off the, oh, sure. the mind yeah. going or sometimes <laughs> i will get to sleep and then wake up at about two or three o'clock in the morning and the mind's turns on and i can't yeah. get back to sleep and yeah. and even though i've got this trick of um, writing down thoughts on paper so i know okay i'm not going to forget that in the morning when yeah. i wake up and try to get back to sleep then it helps sometimes but sometimes yeah. i just can't turn off the mind so i know sometimes what are your it. yeah what are your tips for those situations yeah so if you do wake up in the middle of the night like let's say we already addressed everything you know like lifestyle and all those different things are really in check but you just happen to wake up in the middle of the night a couple different things you can do so the first one is i mean the obvious one is melatonin you can just take a little bit of melatonin usually i mean obviously check with your doctor but between about 0.3 and three milligrams is usually a good range because our body produces that naturally if we take too much we don't want to become um you know just so used to it where our body just De decreases its natural production but other things you can do as well is a couple different things 
Um, if we wake up and we're just thinking about the thinking about the thinking and it just, we're always looping on that. The best thing, and they show this in the science is we just have to get up and do something until we feel busy again. And that's not really going on our phone or doing something, but you know, I had a lot of clients, you know, some of them would just like get up and start cleaning their house when it was kind of dark outside and then they would just, <laughs> and then they would feel sleepy and they just go back to bed again. So if you can do something, you know, it could even be like a light yoga if it's not, if we can just get more out of our mind, more out of our mind, less in our mind and more into our body, uh, whatever that is for you, it could be a guided meditation, focusing on your breath. Um, there's also something called progressive muscle relaxation. And this is really cool too. And what it is, you just YouTube it and there's a lot of guided ones, but it's where we tense up certain muscles in our body for a few seconds and then we let go. And if we do that, we can feel more of our body, less in our mind. And this causes everything to calm down, the cortisol to go down and a lot of those stress hormones to go down as well. So that's kind of one other thing. It depends what's causing people to wake up during the night. Um, one can be if people are having nightmares and bad dreams consistently, they show that, you know, we have a lot of these dreams and we don't necessarily know why, but it's all in the subconscious mind. And most of the time it doesn't make any sense. But what our brain is doing is it's processing stuff from the day prior, the, you know, the week, the month, the year prior, and all these other things that just going on, whether it's relationships, work-related, and whatnot. So what we want to do is about an hour and a half, 90 minutes before bedtime, we just want to journal and brain dump everything that comes to our mind. Even if it's, if it's good, it's bad. If you think it's worthy, doesn't matter. Just dump it all on there. What will that will do is be less of a load for a brain to take on when we do go to sleep and we can sleep more with more of that blank, um, slate and we can stay asleep throughout the night. So that's kind of, it's, if it's dreams related, if it's blood sugar related, we can wake up and we can go for a source of um, a fat. And what that does is it keeps our blood sugar regulated. What that might be, for example, is like, um, like could be guacamole, like an avocado, good forms of fat. It could be some nuts. It could be, um, there's something known as fat bombs and they're kind of, you can buy them too, but it's kind of, it could be whether it's, um, any kind of nut that's kind of in a, in a shape. A lot of people, if you see following the ketogenic diet, you know, they have high fat sources and what it's very good, not for everybody, but it can help stabilize blood sugar. So, you know, it could be like uh, a scoop of peanut butter or a tablespoon of cashew butter that we have. In addition to something known as MCT oil is really good as well to help regulate all that stuff. Um, honey is really good. Um, it, it's a form of a sugar, but it, 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 long story short, it can help you fall asleep. In addition to that, to really help calm the mind, calm the body, other supplements, again, check with your doctor, but it's L-theanine, it's naturally in green tea, can help us sleep. Uh, there's something known as GABA. That's when we drink alcohol and we naturally feel more relaxed. Um, that's a part of alcohol that that brain neurotransmitter is activating, but we can actually take it in supplement form. Then we can also take, you know, like herbal teas, like lemon balm, chamomile, mm. and just some of these other things to really help wind down um, as well. Mm. Yeah, lots of great tips there. So I'd, I'd like to have a peppermint tea or a, sometimes I'll have chamomile. I don't like chamomile from the taste point of view, but I know it's good for me <laughs> for relaxing or, or fennel tea is another one I like to have That's sort of late in the evening. And I've cut out afternoon coffee. Um, okay. I, I used to have a coffee sort of mid-afternoon, but any later than four and I, I would know about it when I tried to get to sleep. So now I've cut it out completely after lunch. Oh, that's good. Your body will tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, coming, coming back, I had a question about melatonin because I used to yeah. use melatonin as a supplement to help overcome jet lag when I was traveling around the world. So, of course, one of the things that, that I always found, um, I used to travel from here in Australia to the east coast of the US quite a lot, sometimes to Europe. And 
the first week would always be tough because um, usually I um, in the US it, it's about 14 or 16 hour time difference to the East Coast depending on the time of year so I would find myself at about three or four in the afternoon wanting to fall asleep and then of course at one o'clock in the morning I'd be I'm awake. <laughs> no way to get any more sleep after that. Um, so yeah. I'd use melatonin. I, I'm curious, um, you mentioned carefully using some melatonin as one idea if you wake up in the middle of the night. How quickly does it actually act when you take it as a supplement? It's usually pretty fast, um, especially in the form when you take it sublingually, which means under the tongue and it just absor 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 absorbs mm. because it um, goes directly into your bloodstream right away, opposed to taking it in your gut and it has to, you know, absorb and all that. So usually it's pretty fast, usually about five, 10 minutes um, for most people, I would say. Usually if they don't feel it, it might be a sign that they might have to take more of it. But again, that's sort of a band-aid because in an ideal world, we mm. you wouldn't have to do anything to sleep better. Uh, just a side point, uh, really interesting thing is Japan, they did a study and they took 14 chronic insomniacs and these were high working, high performing people that could not sleep like at all. And uh, they took them into the study. And what they did was they brought them to the Japanese forest for two weeks. They would sleep there. They would be awake there, eat there, everything. And they would go to sleep with the rising and falling of the sun, wake up accordingly. And they found that 90% of the people that were inside of that study, they no longer had insomnia. And all it took them was two weeks to do so. It just, show, it just shows you if we can live more like our ancestral environment, as hard as it is with technology and everything, it can do so much for us and we don't necessarily need all these supplements to do so. But, you know, when we're in a bind, then definitely that can help. Back to melatonin, though, you know, you can take more like 5, 10 milligrams in order to do so. But in particular with your question of travel, in order to help with that travel and jet lag, I usually have no problem with melatonin because we can actually use it as a tool in this case to help us adjust to the new time zone. And what we want to do is about, you know, a few days, like three to four days prior to us going to that new location, especially if we're over about three hour time zone difference, like if you're going from North America to Europe, you know, Australia to some other part of the world, um, we can start adjusting our schedule and going to bed based on that new based on that new time zone. You know, you can do like an hour or two difference and slowly adjust your body to it. You know, if you're going from Australia over to North America, maybe you want to start adjusting, you know, a week prior and just like half an hour, one hour. And then when you get to that new time zone, you can start using melatonin at the time that you do want to get to bed and do get to sleep. Um, so you can adapt as fast as possible. Hmm. Yeah, one, one of the things I found most effective on those sort of trips, and of course this depended on the weather in some some respects, is if I I would usually travel on the Saturday, it would be a 24-hour trip to the east coast of the US. Wow. So I'd travel on the Saturday, and if I could arrange it such that I got in um, late in the evening, east coast time so essentially it was bedtime yeah. uh, and then typically from the travel now i was lucky because i i am lucky i i sleep quite well on planes that's a bit okay. of a joke with <laughs> with my <laughs> work colleagues they always found me a bore to travel with because i would sleep uh, but if i if i arrived even the stress of the traveling i would usually be tired enough to get at least a few hours sleep there to maybe four in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then on the next, on the Sunday before I, so I had a free day before I 
needed to work, I would get out as soon as the sun was up outside into the okay. sunshine, spend the whole yeah. day usually walking around, uh, yeah. some light physical exercise, but in the sun as much as I could. And I yeah. found that was actually the, the most helpful way to yeah. get the body adjusted. Yeah, it helps so much. And it goes back to light, right? I mean, mm. physical exercise is another big one. In order to be jet lag, if you can do like high intensity interval training, um, <clears> any kind of hard exercise and get that heart rate up, especially after the airplane where you've been sedentary for so long. Mm. Um, in addition to exposing your eyes to light, that's another one. So it goes to the morning routine and the evening routine as well. Mm. Excellent. All right. Well, this has been fabulous. I'm sure there's lots more that people can learn on your website and we'll share links with that uh, in a little while. I, it's a good point now, I think, to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. It's the same five questions I ask of every guest, and it's based on their experience, of course, of being in business. So um, hopefully you'll give us some really insightful answers and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome as a result. Absolutely. I'm sure sleep might, yeah, and I'm sure yeah, sleep might, might factor in <laughs> on that. <laughs> yeah. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Innovative. Well, it all. Where do ideas generate? Well, it all comes to the mind. And how do we make our mind as precise as possible and creative as possible? We have to prioritize its health. So, I would say sleep. If we can prioritize our deep sleep, that's number one. But also number two is uh, the majority of our brain is made of fat, but also water as well. And most people are dehydrated. So we want to drink half of our body weight in ounces per day in water. Um, so making sure to uh, just quickly on that when we while we sleep we lose one liter of water just from our breath alone so when we wake up we want to go for that first cup of water um, with some Himalayan sea salt would be good as well but two I mean keeping a very uh, lots of fat in our diet supplementing with fish oil as well is so important for you know innovation creativity as well hmm. yeah I love it and I, I, I've started doing that probably five or six years ago I started having um, 750 mils in metric terms of water with a little bit of lemon and honey first thing in the morning. Um, And it just makes such a difference. And I do that before I go out for for my exercise. And of course, when I'm exercising, I've got water. So I'm consuming quite a bit of water as well. That's awesome. Well, you're doing all the right things then. (laughs) All right. Now, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Oh, for me, uh, I'm a I'm a big chart guy. So in my in my office, I have a massive whiteboard, and I do a huge mind map. So how it's all connected. I do a lot of journaling as well. So what thoughts I'm thinking? You know, I've really dove into the philosophy of stoicism, uh, kind of recently over the last couple of years, and just from that, it's just been they really promote journaling, and from that, I've just gained so much clarity of me being to be very intentful with my time which gives me access to ideas and while I sleep to generate those ideas as well. One other really cool thing too is when I when I have some come up kind of idea, I know my unconscious mind is always working in the background and we don't get ideas from us consciously thinking about it. Usually it comes from boom, it pops. It could be in the shower, it could be while we're sleeping. Maybe when you wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, you, a lot of people think of these ideas, but then they forget it when they wake up. It's like, oh, what was that that's again? Right, well, that's yeah. kind of conscious mind working. So that's where journaling can really come in. What can we do to make our conscious mind get to work? So I always usually sleeping on it. When I wake up, I usually have that idea. So if I set the intent before bed, when I sleep, I want to kind of dream or think about this. It seems to work in my favor and it has with a lot of ideas that have uh, given me quite a bit of success until today. Hmm. 
Yeah, I love the idea of journaling. I, I kind of dabble in it, but I need to really develop that habit much better. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. really have to. Yeah, it's even me sometimes. It's tough. But I love the I love that you do mind maps. There's uh, a number of people I've spoken to uh, fans of mind maps, and I that's something that I've been doing uh, since the 1990s. I think I had a um, I actually met Tony Buzan, who was oh. kind of the the father of mind maps. I met him and learned to juggle in in an hour, and that wow. kind of convinced me because that that was his metaphor for you can learn to do anything. Difficult in inverted commas very quickly if you do it the right way and approach it the right way. And that's so, fascinating. One yeah. one hour that's quite a feat. Yeah, so that yeah. got me into into mind mapping and um, yeah, that's I love doing that. I've got my whiteboards over here and oh, mind maps up there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of you know people that I talk to, a lot of successful people seem to use them. So I think there's something to it. If if it works for them, I'm sure there's something going mm. on. All right. What's the what's a favorite resource you use most often? Um, I would say, uh, to, for me, it's all about organization because I feel like my mind races too much with all these ideas, and it comes to organizing those things. So for me, it's going to be Google Sheets and mm -hmm. also something known as Trello, Trello boards to organize all these thoughts yeah. as well. And uh, you know, Google Sheets is just so amazing because it can act as Microsoft Excel, but it's all it's all based in the cloud. And where you know, if I'm on this phone, this computer, this laptop, wherever I am in the world, just being able to organize that and it's just putting those ideas down. My background is in finance, so you know, I can get I can get by with Microsoft Excel and using all those different functions, how it all works, whether it's for, if it's for finance, new ideas I want to come up with. Uh, what's really interesting too, though, is I'll sometimes use Google Notes and just put in ideas I have, and I'll go back in time and look at those ideas and see like what was the evolution of, of those things. And it gives me even more ideas like, oh, I thought about this before, but because this happened, then I forgot about it. So to always have that recollection, because like how many thoughts do we have a day? I think they said it's like 66,000 a day. <laughs> so it's like, how are you, how are you even going to memorize all that? So that was a big thing for me. And I find if I have those pieces in place, I'll naturally, my brain at least, will naturally come up with the answers. And there was that book, Psycho-Cybernetics, you know, it's all about the unconscious mind, but mm. um, a lot of lessons in there too. Yeah, yeah. That's a fascinating book. I love love that book. Um, can't yeah. remember the author's name now. Max, Maxwell. Maxwell Maltz. Maltz, that's right. Yeah. Um, cyber Cybernetics. So we'll link to that one as well. All right. Um, now, what's the best way to keep a client on track? It's all about, for them, it's all about baby steps. A big reason people, like, why do people fall off diets, fall off exercise plans? It's because it's so complicated. And so you have to baby step it and do whatever works for you. I think a lot of people, like personal trainers who work with clients, they say, okay, we got to do these 10 things here. And the person's like, well, I don't even know how to do the first three. So what I always do with people and how they stick to a habit is we do the first habit. I mean, it could be something so small. It could be something like, before we go to bed, let's turn off the TV 15 minutes prior, or let's, you know, read a book for 15 minutes prior. And we'll just do that for the first week. And then the second week, because it's so automatic now, we'll just add another 15 minutes, 30 minutes. I mean, that's for that one habit, but you know, mm -hmm. like waking up, drinking a glass of water, trying to do that over a period of time, then we'll start stacking with new habits. The other book too, that's really good is Atomic Habits. And mm -hmm. you know, however long it takes to create that new habit, at first it's difficult. I mean, it's really hard, but then it just becomes a lifestyle and it's, it's as easy as you getting up to go to the bathroom or, you know, having breakfast or something like that. It's just 
part of your natural day to day. And then when you look back, it's like this new person you become, you know, you don't realize it at the time, but it's just, you know, that again, that's where journaling can help, but that's where it's really, really important um, as well. So that's a big thing I'd say. Mm, yeah. Making things as simple as possible. I love that. Yeah. And certainly Atomic Habits. We'll link to that as well because I'm a big fan of that that book and all of James Clear's work. Yeah. yeah. One other note I would say on that is it's more important to remove something negative than it is to add another thing back in. Because one, that simplicity. And two, it's also, um, you know, the negative things usually do more detriment to us than the, the positive things we add back in. And, you know, it's one thing I've been considering is minimalism, not going like to the extreme, but just trying that, like maybe selling all the books that I have and just, you know, all the stuff that I don't need. Because a lot of people don't realize all this clutter that's in their mind mm. and stuff they're thinking about takes more control than you think. And the people that have adopted minimalism, it's just amazing. Like they're worth a lot of money, but they, they just have a laptop. They travel the world, no mortgage, no responsibilities. I mean, it's a big leap. It's not for everybody, but just yeah. to, to showcase that point, it you know, what can do for the mind is pretty amazing. Hmm. Yes, the, the clutter that we have and the space that occupies, not just physically, but in our in our minds yeah. is, um, certainly has an impact, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? To differentiate yourself, I would say it would be, it would be ingraining a habit, well, a couple different things, but what I would say is this, the people that I work with that have just like completely revolutionized, changed themselves, changed their identity, how they feel, how they look, everything, is uh, starting the upward spiral effect where they start to feel better, they start to, people respond to them better. And it's all about making some positive change in their life and turning and turning that into a habit. So, I mean, obviously I would say sleep, but it, I would say just more general, if you can adopt a healthier lifestyle, if you can focus on improving the internal first before focusing on the external, mm. I think that can be such a revolutionary change. Because if you think about it, if you focus on the internal first, and let's say now you become version 2.0 of yourself who has more energy, you know, just can better relate to like all these things will, will manifest from just how you feel better as a person. You're more enjoyable to be around, but you're also quicker on your feet. You can think better. Now multiply that over, you know, weeks, months, years, I mean, the results are exponential, really. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. Working on yourself first. And, and I think a lot of a lot of us get trapped into what you said earlier about the Band-Aid solutions, the quick fixes and so on. And yet it's the little things, the following the atomic habits philosophy that we can do and work on for ourselves or in ourselves that make a big difference over time yeah that's just it hmm. all right well thanks riley this has been absolutely fabulous now where can people find out more about you and the work you do and the sleep consultant uh, services and also the sleep for side hustlers podcast absolutely so they can go to www.thesleepconsultant.com on side of there, they'll get a bunch of free resources to help them with their sleep. I also do free free 15-minute sleep assessments with people. We'll just dive into, like, where are you currently struggling? And I'll, I'll give you just a bunch of free resources to where um, I can help you out. I do have paid programs where I can set lab, lab test kits and work with you on a one-on-one -on -one basis, track your sleep every night. 
and things like that as well. But it just depends on where people are at. And uh, it's one way people can get better really fast. You know, we can take a sniper-like approach. But there's a lot of low-hanging fruit and some of them we talked about today that people can mm. start trying to feel better today. Mm, wonderful. And we'll have links to all of those in the show notes and maybe people can get in touch and reach out to say thanks for what you've shared today and maybe even take advantage of that free 15-minute consult, which I have done and certainly got some value from that. <laughs> Fantastic. So thanks for yeah, that. Well, it's my pleasure and I'm uh, very happy to help anyone that uh, it's a journey that I personally struggle with with sleep. So I take people's results pretty personally at this point. Mm, great. Yeah. Do you have some parting advice to our listeners as we wrap up the show today? Absolutely. I would say the two things we touched on a little bit in the show, but would be to baby step your improvements, focus on, instead of making one big leap, focus on just 1% better today than yesterday, whether it's diet, exercise, sleep, any of that stuff. And number two, just know that if you focus on yourself first and not trying to hustle, 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 burning the candle from both ends, and taking coffee or any kind of band-aid to compensate for that, but instead focusing on everything from a root cause level, you'll just have a sustainable native source of, of just, you know, better health, um, longevity, well-being, focus, productivity for just years and years to come. So for the short term and the long term, it, it just benefits way more immensely. Yeah. And and that's where journaling can help um yeah. Write down, write down the little habits you've improved each day and then look yeah. back over the week. Now, all of a sudden, you have seven things that you've improved and look back over the month. Now, all of a sudden, you've got between 28 and 31 things you've exactly, improved. Exactly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I think yeah. in the uh, Atomic Habits book, it's it showed the chart. If you improve 1% per day, mm. within a year, you become something like 36 times better or something like it. It's just profound, the results that can happen yeah. from that. Yeah. Excellent. All right. And finally, Riley, who else should I bring on this show and why? Uh, somebody I would highly suggest is an individual named Daniel Hill. And Daniel Hill, he's been, he's kind of a, a he's a mindset coach. Um, you know, he focuses a lot on the unconscious mind, but when it comes to sleep, he is, pro I've talked to a lot of people in this space and he's by far one of the best. He's based out of the UK, but he's been in the field, you know, 20, 30 years. And he's all about focusing on the unconscious mind, releasing a lot of trauma, I mean, you don't, it hasn't have to be some insane incident that happened to you. But, you know, when we're a child, microforms of trauma, it really runs our lives. How we behave, addictions we have, negative habits we have, how badly we sleep, just negative thoughts that automatically pop up. What if you could live a life that you didn't have any of that and your mind was just blank? You know, it was just, and you just had positive thoughts, you minimize those negative ones. That's what working on your mind can really help achieve by releasing this stuff, especially in the unconscious mind. So uh, hmm. I can definitely provide the link to Daniel Hill as well. Excellent. Well, we'll reach out to Daniel and bring him on the show as well. It sounds like a fascinating topic to yeah. dig into. And certainly there are um, a lot of things, a lot of baggage that we carry around with ourselves. And it, it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't need to be some hugely disastrous experience. It could be simply that, um, yeah, we a teacher rated us down on, on a project we did and yeah. we carry that around as baggage for the rest of our life. That's right. Yeah, yeah. totally. All right. Well, thanks, Riley. I've really enjoyed our conversation again today and really learned a lot about some of the little things that we can all do to improve our sleep and get better quality sleep as well as, as the time. So I'm really looking forward to hearing input from the listeners as to what they took away and what they've implemented and the results that they get as a result of 
implementing those things. So thanks again for sharing all that, Riley, and please do stay in touch. All the best for the future. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jurgen. It was a pleasure being on your show and looking forward to keeping in touch. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and informative conversation with Riley and took something away from his episode. So as you listen to this, think about the 1% improvements that you can make each day, whether that's to your sleep or other things that might crop up as you reflect on the learnings from this episode. Start journaling those improvements and see what happens. Riley's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Riley Jarvis. That is R-I-L-E-Y-J-A-R-V-I-S. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Riley Jarvis. You'll find contact information there for getting in touch with Riley, as well as links to the Sleep Consultant website, the Sleep for Side Hustlers podcast, to Riley's social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you've listened this far into the show and you know the drill now, I've got a challenge for you. If you love this conversation and you think it'd be useful to one other person to improve their sleep, their productivity, be brave enough to share the conversation with that one other person. And then... Look through all the other episodes we've published up until right now. It's over 500. There's got to be one more there that's equally valuable to you as this episode. So pick one and listen before our next published show. Then write me a note on LinkedIn about which episode you picked and why you picked it and what your biggest takeaway was, most importantly. Riley suggested that we have a conversation with mindset coach Daniel Hill on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Daniel, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Riley Jarvis. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you. A short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.